0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Now, if you'll take your Bible and turn to Matthew, that's where we're going to be today in Matthew chapter 4. Um, we uh, we are continuing our series in the book of Matthew um, but we're calling it something different. Uh, we're going to be calling this next section, Our King and His Kingdom. Uh, and we'll be in this probably through Easter. And so I'm really, really super excited about continuing in Matthew. And we're going to look at two events early in the life of Jesus. We're going to look at his baptism. And then we're going to look at his temptation. And both of these are connected by something we learn about Jesus' identity and his purpose. That's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to read Matthew. We're going to start in verse, uh, Matthew chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 13. I'm going to read through 4 verse 11, and we'll pray and jump in. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Let's pray together. Father, you know my heart today. Uh, You know what's going on in my mind and stirring around in my heart. So Lord, I, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight today. Uh, Lord, I pray also that you would give us ears to hear wonderful things from your word. Uh, Lord, there's some good news to hear today. So Lord, would you give give us eyes to see and ears to hear? And Lord, I pray that where our hearts are uh, are not fully submitted to you, Lord, I pray that you'd grant repentance, Uh, Lord, where we need to hear and apply your good gospel in a fresh and new way, Lord, I pray that you would would give us grace for that, Uh, Lord, where we are uh, perhaps being tempted by the evil one today, uh, Lord, I pray that we would submit fully and faithfully to you, Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give me all the grace I need to do what you've called me to do today. And I would do so faithfully uh, in a way that honors you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to look at Jesus' baptism. We're going to look at Jesus' temptation today. Let's start with Jesus' baptism. So Jesus comes to John to be baptized. And we see that in verse 13. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So John say, look, whoa, I, I'm not worthy to carry your shoes, much less to baptize you. Why would you have me baptize you, John is saying. And Jesus responds in verse 15. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us, notice, us, not just him, us, to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. Now, much has been written about this phrase to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, The word righteousness in other places means a a declaration of God's righteousness given as a gift through Jesus Christ. In Matthew, this idea of righteousness means uh, more closely just conformity to God's will. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, I need us. Jesus is saying to John, I need the two of us. To fulfill all righteousness. In other words, God's told you to baptize people. He's told me to be baptized. This is just what needs to happen. And so Jesus comes to John and says, this is to fulfill all righteousness. I need you to baptize me. And then something beautiful happens in verse 16. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. I believe uh, the Gospel of Luke says, as a dove. Matthew says, descending like a dove, and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so you have the Spirit descending Now, what this is, uh, it's not so much about how the Spirit descended, as it of, or like it of. What's more important is the why. This is an anointing for the anointed one. This is the Spirit descending on Jesus, anointing him for the beginning of his ministry that will start in chapter 4. And so the Spirit descends on him. He anoints the anointed one for ministry. And then God the Father speaks. And he says something beautiful. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now, this is a statement that has always been eternally true. Jesus has always been God the Son, and God the Father has always been pleased with him. But this is something, uh, this is a special moment in the ministry and history of Jesus where God the Father anoints and speaks anointing over the anointed one. And he says to and about Jesus, this is my beloved son. This is my loved son. This is the son I love with whom I am well pleased. Now, there's a lot of other things going on here uh, in, in this statement that God the Father makes over God the Son. But the primary thing that's going on is God the Father proclaims to his son and to all who are listening This is my beloved son. Now, there's two things I want us to see about the baptism before we go to the temptation. First, I want us to see the attention Jesus gives to obeying God's will. Jesus is interested in doing all that God has called him to do. He says, I want to fulfill all righteousness. And that's important Because Jesus' perfect life of obedience is as important as his substitutionary death. If Jesus is not perfectly obedient to God the Father, submitting to what God the Father says, then he is not worthy to die in our place to satisfy the wrath of God the Father. And so Jesus' perfect life of obedience is critical the other reason perfect life is, his perfect life is important is because his perfect life is what is given to us as righteousness. He cannot give what he does not have. And so Jesus' perfect life of obedience is critical, and Jesus is focused on doing that. The second thing I want to see is just what God the Father says. He says, this is my beloved son. I want us to see for a moment that this announcement that has eternally always been true of Jesus is also true for any who hope in Jesus. Anyone who trusts Jesus is the beloved. And God declares this to us, not at Jesus' baptism, but at his crucifixion. At the cross of Christ, Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love toward us. God shows his love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so as God spoke, this is my beloved over Jesus at his baptism, he speaks, you are my beloved over those who trust him at his crucifixion. And that's really good news because every one of us want to hear that. Every one of us deep in our souls want to hear you are loved. Every one of us want to hear deep in our souls you are loved. And either we will hear God's announcement we will hear the announcement of God the Father through the atoning sacrifice of God the Son and let that be enough or we'll live our lives for everybody else's analysis of us. Now some of us, some of us have uh, long uh, been doing that. We've been trying hard to earn the analysis of others, thinking that if they would just approve of us, if they would just support us, if they would just get behind us, that we would finally feel validated. Now, some of us, we're not achievers that way. We've we've just kind of said, hey, I'm not going to care. But what that's created in us is a rebellion that gathers other rebellious people around us so that they can celebrate our rebellion because we need their approval. There's something deep in our soul that needs to hear, you are loved. And either we'll believe God's announcement through the atoning sacrifice of his son, or we'll give ourselves to find it from someone else. And that treadmill of try harder will take us one of two places. It'll take us to pride because we'll feel like we did it better. And what that is, we're really just a, a big fish in a small pond, that's all that is. Or it'll take us to despair because we'll realize I could never do it long enough, right enough to finally feel validated deep in my soul. And so what we need desperately is the other path that Jesus provides. The path where we can know that we are loved by God the Father. Where God demonstrates and declares from the cross You are loved. And that announcement made by God the Father through the atoning sacrifice of God the Son is to be the analysis we accept over our lives. And when we view others' analysis as more important than God, we say to God, God, you're not enough. God, what you think is not as important to me as what all these other people think. And I need them to think very highly of me because you're not enough. And so we rebel against and we reject the one love that our soul craves. And yet this God that we've rebelled against and rejected loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to live, die, and rise again so that we could know, we can know deep in our soul that we're loved by God, eternally loved by God. And so what we see in Jesus' baptism is the announcement made by God the Father through the atoning sacrifice of God the Son is to be the analysis we accept over our lives. And then in the temptation, Jesus' temptation, we learn that there is an accuser whose aim is to get us to doubt God's announcement at every turn. His, his, uh, title is Satan, Devil, Accuser. Uh, throughout the Bible, he's known as the one who is the accuser of God's people. And he starts here in Matthew 4 with Jesus. Let's look at Jesus' temptation. Look at verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. That word then is connecting it to the previous passage. Now, I could have preached the baptism one week and the temptation next week. I just want us to see these are connected to one another. That word then does that. And the Spirit is the same Spirit that landed on him, uh, that descended on him in the baptism. The same Spirit, it says, leads him out to the wilderness to be tested. Now, this word led means to be driven. The Spirit is saying, this is what you're about to do. And Jesus goes there to be tempted or Now, there are three of these tests. The first two are an attack on God's announcement to Jesus. They begin with, if you are. The third is an attack on Jesus' allegiance to God. And we're going to see how Jesus interacts with these tests with God's word in just a moment. Let's look at the first one. It's in verse 3 where Matthew writes, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the first temptation that Jesus is given is this. Prove who you are by using your power for yourself. The evil one comes to him and says, if you are, not not, I know that God says you are, but if you are, there's this temptation against his identity here. If that's who you are, then use your power for yourself. You're hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days, 40 nights. You're hungry. Use your power to make some bread out of these stones. And Jesus says, look, I don't have any need to prove myself. I don't have any need to prove myself. God will provide As I trust his word, that's his response. And we see it in verse four. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, this verse is the second half of a verse taken from Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. And at the beginning, we see kind of what Jesus is trying to get at in using this verse as a response. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, it says, And he humbled you and, led, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. So what Jesus is reminding Satan of is, look, God provided for his people in very strange ways back in the day. He's going to provide for me now. I don't need to use my power to serve me. I need to use my power to serve others second temptation is see if God can really be trusted. Look at verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, again, going after his identity, if this is really true, throw yourself down for it is written he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone and Jesus said to him again it is written you shall not put the lord god to the test you shall not put the lord your god to the test the evil one comes to him and says hey if if all that's true about you if all that's true about you then why don't you why don't you show me something why don't you why don't you see if god will really take care of you like he says he will and Jesus' answer is, look, I don't, I don't have to test God to know he can be trusted. I just have to trust his word. God doesn't have to prove himself to me for me to trust him. The third temptation, look at verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. He said to him all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me and Jesus said to him be gone Satan for it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him and him only shall you serve now there's something really special going on in this last temptation Jesus is uh Matthew has told us in Matthew chapter 1 that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham to be a blessing to the nations And then Matthew is gonna tell us at the end of Matthew that now, as those who are followers of the resurrected Jesus, we're to go into all the nations preaching the gospel so that all the nations might hear. And then at the end of the New Testament in Revelation, we see that Jesus died to purchase a people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And so what he's promised here, he's going to get. The temptation is this. I'll give you what you want, you just don't have to suffer. That's the temptation. If you you'll just you don't have to go to the cross, you don't have to die, you don't have to rise again, just bow your knee to me. Just bow to me, and I'll give you what you want. You just don't have to suffer. And Jesus responds, "Be gone." Um There are so many opportunities that you and I have to say yes to easy when God is calling us to suffer. And here, the evil one is the one calling him into easy. It's the evil one calling Jesus into easy here. And Jesus says, Be gone. Wouldn't that be a great resolution for 2021? To not choose easy, but to follow Jesus into suffering. Jesus says, be gone. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I don't need to worship you, Jesus says. God and God alone is worthy. Now I want us to see two things from the passage. First, the ongoing refrain that God can be trusted. Just over and over, Jesus is saying this. In the midst of temptation, in the midst of testing, Jesus is saying, I can trust God. I don't need to trust you. I don't need to trust what I'm saying. I can trust God. The second I want us to see is just the importance of knowing God's word. It's just a tremendous amount of importance of knowing God's word here. Jesus knows God's word, and so when he's tested he responds with the Word. So, in the baptism, we learn that the announcement of God the Father through the atoning sacrifice of God the Son is to be the analysis of our that we accept over our lives, not the analysis of others. In the temptation, we need to know there's an accuser whose aim is to get us to doubt all of that. And we need to be ready to respond with God's Word. So, how do we apply this? Two things quickly. First, what Um, first, what's your plan for knowing God's word? What's your plan for knowing God's word? As I read this, I was just captivated by how well Jesus knew God's word. And this isn't because he's the the eternal son of God. It's because as a man, he spent time in and studying and thinking about and reading God's word. That's how he was able to respond this way. He didn't put on his God suit and do this. This was Jesus as the God-man, yes, but he knew the word because he had spent time in the word. And I'm wondering, what's your plan for knowing God's word? Many of us have a lot of plans, and the weekend killed us, didn't it? Like, how cruel was that for the beginning of the new year to start on a weekend? I read this thing going around that says, shout out to everybody who's starting on Monday, and that's kind of how we might feel about life right now. What With all the other plans we have about exercise and eating and spending and all these things that will last till Martin Luther King weekend, I mean, with all with all those things, what's our plan for knowing God's Word? I'm really concerned that we know our favorite YouTuber, our sports team, our social media feed, the latest fashion, our retirement accounts. I think we know all those more than we know God's Word. And none of those will help us stand against the temptations of the evil one. And so what's your plan for knowing God's Word? What's your plan? Now, look, there's lots of plans out there. There's a a tool called Bible Recap that I know many of you are using. Uh, There's lots of read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year plans. There's lots of those out there. Um, Exodus Women have started a plan to read through the Psalms. I want to encourage you to look at and study. Uh, We've got a reading plan for all of our sermons. You can pick up a card today that has uh, the plan for what passages will be on on what Sunday. You can read those. It's got a a way to understand the the passage on the other side of the card to help you know God's Word. My, My main question is what's your plan for knowing God's Word? What's your plan? Now, immediately, our first thought is, but I don't know. I'm going to read something, and I'm not going to understand it, and it's going to make me feel like a bad Christian. I I hear that a lot. Not exactly that way, but I hear that a lot when I talk to people about reading God's Word. So here's, here's my answer for that question. What do I do if I read something I don't understand? Here's my answer. You write it down. And you find somebody you know who walks with Jesus and say, hey, I've got this question. What does this mean? Look, I've been reading the Bible for a very long time, and I still find things I need to look up and understand better. Okay, All of us do. You're not alone in that. And so if you have a question, write it down. Go to someone that you know walks with Jesus. If they can't get it answered, maybe go to your community group leader. Uh, if the two of you can't get that figured out, then maybe call one of your elders or a pastor. And, and, and we'll, we'll, if we don't know, we'll find the answer. Okay? But don't let I don't know stop you from knowing God's word. What's your plan for knowing God's word? It's super important because we're going to face tests as we go into 2021. Just the collective optimism around a new year is always confusing to me. It's like two seconds on a clock from, oh, glad it's gone to Happy New Year. It's the same. And we're going to know, we're going to need to know God's word as we walk into these days. Second, It's a question Will God's announcement spoken through Jesus' atoning sacrifice be enough for you? It's a question I'm asking myself like right now. Will God's announcement spoken through Jesus' atoning sacrifice be enough? You see, at Jesus' baptism, God announced over him, This is my beloved. At Jesus crucifixion God announced over every sinner who would repent this is my beloved and this eternally true announcement of any who trust in Christ is given as a gift he he doesn't love me because I'm special he doesn't love me because I've done something to earn that or deserve that. In fact, I've done the opposite. I've done everything in my power to get him to stop loving me. And he is relentless in his love that he demonstrated that he demonstrated on a cross. And so the question for me is not His announcement. His announcement is crystal clear. The question for me and for all of you is, will this be enough? Will this be enough? Or will we say to him, thank you, but what you say is just not as important as what they say. Because right now, it's really important what they say to me. And I need them to add to what you're saying. The question is not, what has he said? The question is, will that be enough? And what God invites us into is a walk of faith where we trust him and his word. And where we say to him, God, you, what you say is enough for me. It doesn't matter what everybody else in the whole world says. What you say about me is enough. That's the question. We will either live into the this is of Jesus' baptism or we'll live for the if you are of his temptation. We'll either live into, we'll we'll either live from our identity, or for another one. And only one of those paths leads to life. Only one of those paths leads to life. And so, if you find yourself, like I struggle with sometimes, wanting to please everybody, wanting everybody to do what you say, wanting everybody to be on your team, wanting everybody to to go along, there's an announcement that will see you through those kind of difficult days. And that announcement is not their approval. That announcement is God's announcement through the atoning sacrifice of his son. That's the only, the only analysis that will see us through those days. And so we don't know what this year's bringing. We don't know what this year's bringing. We didn't know what last year was bringing. We don't know what this year's bringing. What we do know for certain is that God's word is true. And God's announcement from Calvary, his announcement from Calvary, that he loves me, is eternally true. And it's enough. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the way that you have so kindly and graciously and patiently called us into fellowship with your Son. And Lord, I pray that that the good news of our love, uh, the good news of your love for us uh, would be enough for us today. I pray that we would be satisfied in in your goodness and in your gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would protect us from seeking that in any other place but in your tender, tender, kind patient care Lord I pray for those who for those of us who struggle with that sometimes who struggle to really believe and who struggle to really know that not only are we loved but that it's enough Lord I pray I pray that we would have have grace to know and trust that your love is not only eternally secure but that it's eternally enough help us to believe that today